Well, you know, I mean, you went clothes shopping with a gal. Wait, wait, honestly, Keith, this woman I work with, this assistant I work with, I actually get along with her pretty well. Um, very, very beautiful woman, like a very stunningly beautiful woman. Yeah, um, and she's cool. I, I like her. She cool. She she works hard. She's got a sense of humor. She's down to earth. Like most people of color, there's a certain humbleness because they're you know because they've been through the shit you know. That's me romanticizing people of color. No, there's a lot of assholes too that are people of color, as there are who are white. But anyway, um, uh, but she, I, I knew she had d- a decent enough fashion sense that she would dress me the right way. So I, right. I got like she three black? shirts. No, she's a Latino woman. She's a okay. Mexican. Yeah, and that's so, that. Well, that's a coin flip because sometimes, depend, you know, no, depending on how tightly her hair's pulled back, you're gonna want to. No, she has a four hundred dollar haircut. That's an go. investment. She's yeah, looking yeah. for Daddy Warbucks. She dated Tyron Lue for six months. The, the coach of the Lakers, coach of the Cavaliers. Ty Lue? Yeah, yeah. She dated Ty Lue. She, she met LeBron, here. she told me. And I, I, she's telling the truth. Um, but uh, but I knew, I mean, I knew like we went out. I wonder if LeBron was like, really, Ty Lue? <laughs> no, she's a very pretty woman. Like, you'd be like, oh, my God, she's stunning. You know, she really is. Um, but um, I knew she had some, de- she would give me some HM clothes. You know what I mean? Like, to be, so I got two pairs of shoes, three dress shirts, a couple of T-shirts, Two pairs of pants. You know what I mean? Some work pants. And a partridge and a pear tree. The pants I don't really like. I don't like the way they fit me. Uh, but uh, but the other stuff was a good purchase. Like six of the seven items were a good purchase. So it's yeah. like, you know, that, that, that's a good score. You need to, you need to just ha- up the wardrobe a little bit, you know? Welcome to the show, by the way. Keith yeah. Pazel's podcast. I'm Keith. I got Adam here. This Hello. is the show before Christmas. I know. We and weren't going to do this show. No, we weren't. I was just going to take a break. I was going to put out like a 10-minute episode telling people like, <laughs> sorry. But no, the show must go you on, You texted Keith. me today and was just like, let's fucking do it. It's the last two weeks in a row. Yeah. That you have prompted the recording. I'm proud of you. <laughs> that, I'm turning over a new leaf, Keith. Well, you finally end up being a lazy ass. Well, little, you know, do a little I bit of work. I think we finally, as far as this, because we're good friends. Yeah. I think we finally figured out how to do that on the podcast. Well, I think we're getting there. And I think it's going to even get better. Because like, you guys should know that, that when we turn off the thing we have a better podcast yeah. after <laughs> like crocious hangs out for at least an hour after we're we kind of debrief we debrief and you know? and i'm always like like last week i we were talking about something and i was like i kind of want to sit back down and record and he was just like no uh, was it my uh was it the uh the cult story yeah the school yeah well we'll, well get we into that, that last week too. yeah but, but there's more there's even more there's more yeah it's juicy yeah you've only got the tip of the iceberg because I'm telling you, because it was even the tip of the iceberg is interesting. You know, tip of the iceberg took down the Titanic. There was a lot more underneath it. There was even more darker, weird shit in there. It's crazy. You're going to love it. But I'm yeah, yeah, no, I, I want to do the show because Christmas movies, Hallmark Christmas movies on in the background. Exactly. As always. I know. Such, such fine scripts. So this one, it's called The Cheerful Christmas. You got these two girls in this that are Christmas coaches. Honestly, uh, God, when I watch this, this looks like. Th- made two notches away from well-produced porn. This one is <laughs> the per- actual palette of it. You know, this one is particularly bad. Oh, it looks because most of them are tolerable, but this one is horrendous. <laughs> it's about two girls who like are Christmas. They're event Christmas planner. coaches, so okay. like anybody oh, who's coaches. bad. At- God, I hate that because that's the th- the, th- the the vernacular of now. The theory I- behind it is they don't just design like they're helping you make it better. 
Why you know, does everything have to be better? How about just make it relaxed and enjoyable? Right. What I, does better actually mean? I had these thoughts today going, reading all these fucking fat bearded losers hating <laughs> that hate Star Wars. And I don't oh, even really? care. Oh, dude, it's getting dragged again. But even I don't hate Star Wars. No, but a, even I mean, and even the well, here's what you know, I, I bitch about the younger generation. A basic, I like Star Wars. a long version of if we can go off on my Facebook post that we talked about, because I mentioned Mitch Trubisky in it. Of <laughs> yeah, course, yeah, the great exactly. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, <laughs> I was like, look, I haven't seen it yet, but people are going on and on about how like, oh, they, they've changed it so much. This isn't the same story i watched when i was a kid it's not and i was yes it's the same thing it's the exact same thing you watched you're just 37 years old now you fucking loser yeah like you can like it yeah go see it but go see it with the scope of i might think some things are stupid because i'm an adult who should have bigger responsibilities than star wars (laughs) then then you wasting energy on my analysis and posting on the yeah. things I don't like about Star Wars. You know why I know I'm going to like Star Wars? Because for two hours, it's going to take me off the thoughts that I only have $200 to my name right now. Well, I tell you what. I give you credit for being able to do that. I mean, seriously. Because you know, I haven't gone to movies consistently in years, which is crazy. Because, I, I mean, I used to Dude, go to them all since, the time. Ever since fucking old girls in the, in the guild. Yeah, oh, we go for free. All the, we haven't paid oh, for a movie oh, in that's forever. Awesome. That's awesome. We're going in this Beverly Hills theater, like eleven hundred oh, people. It's like great. it's like an arena. That's great. Yeah, and I will say I've gone to a few more movies since I've moved here. Uh, Jojo Rabbit being the best. Never of the seen a movie I've where seen. I might have a panic attack, and I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> it's a lot of people, eleven hundred people, and it's Star Wars. It's going to be sold out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, because that that crowd's going to be too big for you. Or Dude, I have a hard time around a lot of people like even, that. Uh, going to a bear game or a cub game, is that, is that stressful for If I'm a little you? separated, but concerts, I can't fuck with the floor on concerts. Interesting. That's too much for me. I feel it. I feel the closeness of it. Wow. It yeah. goes back to my night terror. Every night terror I have, walls are closing in on me, or a truck is backing up and doesn't know I'm behind it, and I'm banging on it to get it. That's how I feel. Stop. Stop. I just can't. Yeah deal with being closed and i need space dude interesting i never knew that about you i've never i never again we talked about before depression not a big one on depression i've had moments of depression that's my anxiety and and, but and i said before anxiety obviously but but also i've never really had a big like like panic attacks i know people who say they have panic attacks i think i'm in a constant state of borderline panic you know Oh yeah, you're, uh, I, I, I'd say you're on edge. You're you know, edgy. You're a little uh, not just yeah. you know not like in the the hip sense. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a- absolutely. You're <laughs> on edge. You're the type of guy where if you don't know I'm coming and I tap you on the shoulder, you're gonna go. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be. That, that happens sometimes, not all the time, but it has happened. I did that once in front of my ex girlfriend. That was a real red mark. It was a real red flag in her eyes. She probably think, oh, this no. guy will hit me if I wake him up or something. Or, or you know, I just it, it just didn't. It, it was I wasn't. It shows aggression. No, it doesn't. No, here's what it really is. Here's what it really is, Keith. It's that I'm not comfortable in my own skin. And oh, when a man is a strong, silent type, when he's a strong, silent type, he's comfortable in his own skin. You can do a little playful joke like that, and he's not going to get jerk around and jump around he's calm and comfortable yeah and then you can feel comfortable you don't in your seem like skin. the type of guy that you, you know that, that would like being tickled well it reminds me of my when my brother tickled me it, it, it was kind of fun but it was also aggressive yeah. there was well, an aggression he also in it. 
well, at also, some point he, wanted you dead. Yeah, I mean, he also suppressed my mouth, you know, with uh, my breathing with his hands on my nose and on my mouth. It when sounds I was like a little kid. It sounds you know, like you're suffocating des- me. Sounds like you're you know? describing it in Victorian court. <laughs> he suppressed my mouth, Your Honor. <laughs> but it was like, uh, you know. Um, I didn't like that. So yeah, that, ha- that doesn't happen all the time. Every once in a while it does happen. And I remember her making a comment. Maybe it happened two or three times when I was around her when we dated. And you know something? She didn't like that because I'm not comfortable in my own skin. Because if he's comfortable in his own skin, Keith, then I can be comfortable in mine. You know? No, the aggressive part of it, no, no, no. It isn't about that. It isn't about that at all. It's he's comfortable in his own skin. And, you know, if I have my moods and I'm upset, he's not going to jump down my throat. He's not going to criticize me because he's confident that he can deal with it. But he'll be there, non-judgmental. When I go through my time periods, <laughs> when I say periods, that's a horrible way of saying it. I'm not saying period like as in period, period. I mean like my moods. <laughs> he's not going to jump. That's what they want. They want a strong, silent type. I truly believe I'm strong. I'm not silent. I'm not silent, you know, that, 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 that's the truth. And so I speak my mind, you know, I mean, not all the time. I try to be a nice guy. You know, that, that is my impulse. I try to be easy to work with, but even I have a breaking point. There's a point that I have a break where I, I something can get under my skin. I, I'm pretty good at dealing with shit like that. When I was younger, I could fly off the handle. My meltdowns on stage, I think are an example of that. Like, like where it's been like when I have melted down, it's like that, that edge is sort of, Whatever, for whatever it's coming it's, from somewhere, you know. Yeah, you know. It's, Do you uh, think you know when you were like trying to that time period when you were trying to do stand up for a living and like working off your savings and you had yeah. your own business? I think at yeah. one point, yeah. Were those happening at that point too? Because do you think the stress not of that was affecting as, your performances? Not nearly as much. Do Keith, if you think what I did then was bad. You haven't seen anything. You you weren't around uh, fifteen. I've years really ago, only seen twenty yeah. years ago. I, I've had some meltdowns, but they're pretty rare. The worst I've seen is you sh- just walking off stage. Yeah, and then the best one I've seen that I think was a little bit is you were doing <laughs> Chaz Walters, the most yeah. confident man in the world, <laughs> which is based on a guy in your pilot. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chaz exactly. going to be in your pilot? Well, Chaz. Well, he's not. You in You should play Chaz in your well, pilot. Well, no, Ch- Chaz. Chaz was in my uh, beta male pilot that went nowhere. But I'm glad I wrote beta mail. It's given me a lot of good experience, you yeah. know. So anyway. Uh, what was I saying? No, you were just saying about Chaz Walters. Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. so you were on stage. Yeah. And you were doing it and just. Wasn't connecting. Complete, j- not connecting is even giving it a little. <laughs> they hated it. Yeah, they it just was didn't de- it get was it. It's just not. And you're in the middle of it. And like to give paint people a p- picture, when he does Chaz Walters, he's in a suit. And I have sunglasses and on. And sunglasses indoors. Indoors. Like he's fully dressed. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm it for would a be meeting. one thing if people knew what Crocious looked like normally, but I think at one point there's a, a mix of people who know what the fuck is going on and still don't like it. And then there's people who are like, is this guy really Chaz Walters the most isn't that a testament to world. good acting isn't that a testament to good acting so and he's true going commitment? up and I think and I don't even know I take pride in not knowing specifically my friends bits because it means I don't pay attention and I'm not going to steal your material but yeah. I do know that 
it's basically Crocious being a blowhard, and then he would just be like, "I'm Chaz Walters, the most confident man in the world." <laughs> Yo, yeah, do it. Give me a little couple lines so people know about just what's happening on stage. Okay, here it is. Yeah, here's how it goes. Chaz Walters. Let me get into character. Just give me a moment here to cleanse the palate. Okay, we'll do a Chaz Walters line. So, when I come up to stage, yeah, if I'm introduced by say Leah Berman, I'm always like, yeah. Give a round for that Jew broad, Leah Berman. <laughs> That's how I start off. I always make a, like a racial comment. I start off with that. Yeah, give it up for Leah, Ber- Leah, Leah Berman. That Jew broad is hot. Yeah, Chaz Walters, world's most confident man. Now, I know what you're thinking when I come up on stage. You know, you think to yourself, Chaz Walters, world's most confident man. Isn't this just some character based on the Dosekis man, the world's most interesting man? Yeah, well, I've met that beer peddler and... <gasps> Chaz Walters, world's most confident man. You know, you, you like impressions out there in the audience? You like impressions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad you like impressions. I'm going to do an impression right now of the way all women respond to me when I walk down the street as Chaz Walters, world's most confident man. So let me do an impression right now of the women that see me on the street. Chaz. Chaz. I'm over here, Chaz. I'm over here. Don't you see me, Chaz? I'm over here. Chaz, pay attention to me. Chaz, Chaz, Chaz I'm over here, Chaz. Yeah, I, I realize you can't see me through the thicket of women that surround you, but Chaz, I've been on a diet for 12 years hoping to meet a man like you, and I finally have. Chaz, pay attention to me. Chaz, Chaz. So that's happening I'm, on stage. Oh, here Chaz, what? Oh, oh. But for some reason, when you don't pay attention to me, it makes you more attractive. Oh, Chaz, I've been waiting for so long. Chaz. And here's my reaction to them. Sunglasses off. Yeah, right. Chaz Walters, world's most confident man. That's one of my. So, so. that's happening on stage <laughs> yes. and people just aren't laughing. Yeah, which probably not many were laughing right now. My it's face a little hurts rusty. From my, it's a little I didn't want to laugh. I, I laughed audibly a couple times, but my face hurts from grinning. Cause yeah. I, that was, I just like the absurdity of it, but in the middle of it, just imagine in the middle of that bit, he realizes it's not connecting and Crozier just goes, it's an act. It's not real. And I took my sunglasses I'm pretending, off. pretending you idiots. And then yeah, he just yeah. walked off stage. Cause it's like, it's an act. <laughs> you were just so upset. It's not real. Yeah. Well, well, because I I will go off on that sometimes because I'm kind of like, come on, people. It's so obvious. It's like it's so uh, at the same time. Here's when I get frustrated when it does connect or when my characters do connect, which the majority of the time they do connect. And this is one of the dangers of my characters. I make pretty strong choices with them. And you're kind of with me at the beginning, with me in the middle, with me at the end. If you went with me in the middle or beginning. There's times like I've been able to get them on my side, but then there's times I have not been able to get them. They ain't with me in the middle, and they certainly aren't with me at the end. Ooh, Sal, they ain't with me, Sal. (laughs) That's Ray Lewis. If Ray Lewis was a Black Panther and was being interviewed by Sal (laughs) Sal Palatonio, Palatonio. ESPN third-string reporter, Sal Palatonio. Didn't Sal Palatonio do all the steroid shit for baseball? No, that was Pedro Gomez. Yeah, they're kind of on the same. Uh, Sal's Sal's more football. You know, like certain sports have you know certain who people. Also, you know? I loved on ESPN was Tim Kirk. 
Jin because oh, he always did the C. A he always made the click in the middle of the You know, uh, as he a repressed pe- adolescent with homosexual tendencies, he hasn't been in touch with. I, you know, as he a six-year-old like man, that. I he's it's. Like, are you going to hit puberty? For he ESPN, annoys the shit out of me. I don't I'm like him. Tim, Kirk- I like Peter Gammons more than I like him. Because I'd always be like, yeah, Tim Kirkjian, but then he'd be like, no, Tim Kirk. Jin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the funny, you know, with Cal Ripken stats, it's like, have you hit puberty? You are literally in your sixties, and your voice cracks. Like, I, it annoys me. I bet so you sad. when he's, at, I bet you when he's at home by himself, it's hey for ESPN. I'm Tim Chin because <laughs> he's choking on a dong. <laughs> there we go. The f- we get Xy. Well, we're, we're, how, how long far did it in? Take? How far in? We have a T minus. Keith getting Xy. Sixteen minutes. I was gonna say twelve, so that was better. Good job. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so anyway, Sal Palatonia, he, he has to interview Ray. It was during the day. Remember like five years ago, there was the, uh, there was like when a, you murdered a, a lockout. Guy? <laughs> no, that, that was 20 years ago. That happened 20 years. That was the Super Bowl, that right? Was Super Bowl. It, was, it was the Super Bowl. The, uh, he the, murdered someone uh, it, during it, it was the Super Bowl. Ram, it was the Ram Titan Super Bowl because it was in Atlanta, I believe. I believe. So, uh, so that, that, that was 1999. When that happened, that was before so was 20 the Ravens years ago. even won the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, they, they won it in 2000. So he was already a murderer when they won the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I don't know the full story on it. He basically, from what I understand, is he helped them cover, cover up, up a murder. Yeah, I also think that uh, I think he was there when two guys got off. It wasn't one; it was a was double murder. Park. Yeah, or, or I think he might have been like, in I the think, same room. I think he, yeah, I think some dude he was with killed some people. Yeah, and he helped them move the bodies, and cover it up. You know, and so. You know, well, he's there's a reason why he is as intense as he is. You know, I mean, and his, I remember when that happened, all my racist family members were like, this is just like OJ. He's black. They ain't going to convict him. Cause <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's it's like, do you think that the, that whole notion? Well, I love how they think white people are just going to jail in droves. I know. <laughs> and that somehow black people, there hasn't been some sort of bias or slant in the laws. Now, now that weed is legal in Illinois and the governor, it's the most social justice oriented weed legalization in the country. They well, expunged. He needed the PR. Well, exactly. Uh, they exp- and they need the money too. They need to expand the fucking tax base in that broke ass state. Chicago has no money, huh? Oh, oh, oh. Chicago is in, is in better financial shape than it was like 10 years ago post 08 the state is fucked the state is fucked what happens if a state legitimately runs out of money what well, federal it, government has to come in and it's, like hurricane well, relief that, that, that was one of the theories that my teabag people i knew uh, out in the suburbs of McHenry were like the only way the state gets better is obama will bail it out like just that resentment of obama and just gritting Here's their teeth over why obama. would that upset you if the president was like hey i'm gonna bail you guys out why would they be like nah man because the way it's been portrayed is it's gonna mean your tax dollars are gonna go up that that's how it's been portrayed because of their fiscal irresponsibility they're already taxing you too much they're not handling their finances well what makes you think they're going to handle them better if the slate's clean it's they got to change fundamental parts of the of the of the way the government works and the laws and regulations work which is a difficult task to do plus these are probably the same people who are like why ain't there a football team her well yeah yeah exactly you don't like your taxes (laughs) going up so it was (laughs) that's funny your voice is hilarious i mean 
there's a point they have. I'm not going to dismiss it. Madigan's a Speaker of the House in Illinois, been the longest serving Speaker of the House since 1983. 30 fucking six years he's been the Speaker of the House. And it is so rigged. They're drinking hot chocolate outside. And I don't think there's. Well, there's no breath. It co- seems oh, it, like yeah, it's they just there. brought it out, though. I don't see a stand. Well, it's also, I don't think, it's not even hot chocolate because it's not moving around as they move their hands. It is. No, no you know what it is? It's literally like a foam a foam drink. Oh, they're at his giant house. She's Christmas coaching him. That, that, that's a total like wealthy home in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Anyway. Waukesha's nice. Yeah, well, it's like total Republicanville, like Scott Walkerville. It's Waukesha money. Walkersha? Nor- Waukesha. That had to be some sort oh, of Oh, I'm slogan. sure. Absolutely. But I mean, they didn't, probably didn't have to do it because he knew he was going to get 75% of the vote. I mean, it is hardcore conservative even more than the north shore of milwaukee north shore of milwaukee has some old money kind of like north shore of chicago there's a few liberals up there but not many waukesha is new money and it's fucking wealthy wealthy area it's basically the you know what it is the, the, the politics of wisconsin you have though you gave me those giardelli i'm going off I, I went off on a tangent what was i talking about before i lost it oh, it's just not that. good it, it was a good conversation you stop the yeah let's, let's listen yeah i want to listen want to hear what it was because it was good i am absolutely all right, we're talking about. I, I asked if Ray Lewis had murdered someone by the Super Bowl, and I was yeah. That people were like they're gonna OJ him. They're I remember gonna specifically OJ. people saying they're gonna OJ him, like he's God. gonna get off. God. I don't even think it went to trial. Oh no, I mean I, I think yeah. there was a plea bargain. I I think he. I don't know what the whole story is. We should look up on Wikipedia at some point. I should know more about it, but I don't. I choose to ignore it, I guess. But I saw Ray Lewis being interviewed once on ESPN by Sal Palatonio. <laughs> and it was before the uh, the remember there was a lockout like five years ago. There's a lockout, you know, over the over the collective bargaining agreement between the players' union and the owners. And, and Sal Palatoni interviews Ray Lewis to get his point of view. And and, and it, it sounds like Ray Lewis would, if would have been a uh, he was like a Black Panther, you know, like Sal Palatoni is like, well, tell me, Ray Lewis, what do you think about the current labor impasse with the NFL? I mean, the lockout. That the owners are doing to the players. What's your opinion about that? Ooh, ooh, Sal, Sal, good qu- Sal. That's a good question, Sal. Mm. Let me think about that one, Sal, Sal. Too much pride, too much pride on each side, on each side. Step aside, step aside, Sal, Sal. <laughs> So that, that that's like what it was responsible. It was February of 2000 when it happened. So it was yeah, it was literally this, like 20 years ago. It was the Super Bowl weekend of 2000. Yeah, absolutely, it happened. So was, it was the, in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Uh, his whole kind of thing took a different direction. He got he was already an intense dude to begin with, and he went off on like some weird journey. I see him all the time on show like NFL Showtime. You know, they have it, it's a uh, Phil Simms, James Brown, Ray Lewis, and Brandon Marshall, and then sometimes Michael Irvin comes in, and sometimes Lawrence Taylor comes in, and they talk about football. They have some highlights, and they have like you know they conversations. It is chaos. The show gets extremely high ratings. It is chaos all these dudes just talking over each other all these egos you know and sims can sort of handle himself but it's like it's ray and brandon like getting very passionate about football now what are you talking about ray like they get very passionate with each other to the point where it's kind of like i don't know man maybe they you know then they laugh it off but it's like a punch might be thrown at some point i mean it's i think it's kind of in the air <laughs> and they have these loud opinions you don't brandon marshall is he's a goof i actually think lewis has good things to say when you still his personality he understands the game of football exceptionally well like he knows it very well i, I learned from ray lewis but he's a, he's a black panther sal let me tell you sal 
Well, so okay, Ray Lewis. Well, I have a question for you. Follow up to that. I love how we're just doing your act now. What do you think? <laughs> what, what do you? Yeah. And, and all the hits. Special. All the hits of my act, too. So what do you think? Following up on that question. What do you think the Ravens? Do you think that you'll win a Super Bowl before you retire, Ray? Ooh. Ooh. Sal. Sal. No, you didn't, Sal. No, you didn't. Sal. Sal. As long as Ray Lewis is a starting middle linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, I will have an impact on my team. We will always be striving, but not necessarily achieving the ultimate goal in my field to win and to hoist a Lombardi trophy over you. Sal. No, you didn't, Sal. No, you didn't. Ooh, Sal. <laughs> like, he got peeved. Like, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm making up that half That one I can interview. see people not getting on board with. <laughs> well, this is not a refined I'm telling character. you, no one knows who fucking Sal Palantino Well, I don't, really, I don't think that's really germane. It can just, it would literally be, as a straight guy and a goofy guy, it would be a perfect thing. It would be a perfect straight guy. Which, by the way, that staple of comedy is still great. It's still completely good. When I've done that in the past, it's been a long time. I did it with Mike O'Connell a couple times. We did these fake radio plays, like back at the elevator. We'd read scripts. And he was always the over-the-top guy. I played a totally good straight guy. I played a totally good, like, just respond. That, that, that was actually, I wanted to be the over-the-top guy. That's actually not my strength. I think it is, but it's not. Yeah. Me being the straight guy is actually better because I, I have a more, I have a serious kind of voice when I need to be. It's the few voice, voiceover commercials I've got are serious ads. They're not goofy, commer- funny ads. They're serious ads. So it's like, that's my kind of, that's more of my, It'd be funny good if you that, do yeah. your Sal Palantonio bit for your audition. Well, it's just like, and, so, and he's just asked these matter-of-fact questions. Okay, Sal. No, no offense intended with that last statement, but I, I, am I Howard Cosell or am I Sal Palantino? Right? It's like Miami might have the oranges, but Buffalo's got the juice. O.J. Simpson. I would never touch O.J., but he's a great player. Uh, it is. You don't. You don't remember. You. You don't remember what happened there. Did the piece fall off. You, you don't remember uh, Howard Cosell. He was the voice of sports when I was a kid. Like, I mean, this pre-ESPN, he was like a personality in sports, you know? And a lot of people didn't like him because he was, you want to know why? Because he was actually kind of a dick and he would ask tough questions. He took his journalism aspect seriously. Like, he, he was kind of probing and needling, you Was know? he the same era of, as Jimmy the Greek? Oh, yeah. In, in fact, there was sort of like, like that was the Howard Cosell influence. Jimmy the Greek was, it was like a guy who had kind of a, kind of a colorful personality. It was always like an ethnic, a white ethnic. Cosell was a Jew. Jimmy was the Greek, a white you know. It was always a white ethnic. That would, and like then there was also the, the, the poor man's. Pe- look at this shop. You're right. The, in this movie, Crocius was saying that they look like he was like it doesn't look like they're in a house. It looks like they're in a Target display also, of a house. It's also like where their workspace is looks like a Target display. Everything is its own independent place. When you're in a workspace, it's just papers everywhere. You know. I was gonna try to clean my desk today, and I was like, fuck that, man. I was like, I'm leaving early. I earned this. I left yeah. an hour and a half early. I was like, I got to get out. Is it's that just... what made or break the podcast? You're yeah, like, yeah. I was like, fuck early. it, man. I'm going to leave. Because is the thing is, like, you get home from work and you're like, you. I could see how you're like, I don't want to leave again. Well, it's just like I make a meal and like I'll do a couple different things. I'm going to write on my script for an hour, hour and a half, or I'm going to go out and do a mic or try to do a show. And I probably do that three to four times a week. I probably write two times a week, do a mic once or twice a week. That's basically my routine. And then one night, I ain't, oh, I'm going to work out. 
I'm going to work out. I worked out last night, and I worked out on Saturday last week. So I try to work out twice a week. Where do you go? Week. What gym? I go to the Hollywood Y. Oh, it's, yeah. You told me we talked about fucking, that. Man, it, it is a pigsty. It is disgusting. Yeah, it's a YMCA. It, there was a guy in the shower yesterday. He had his fingers up his ass for like five fucking minutes. I was like, what are you doing? Like digging or thumb or I finger think clean, in it? I think he was trying to clean it, but it's like, you got to have a fucking... Yeah, in the I, locker room? You have a washcloth on that thing. Man. Yes. You know, I'm like, I don't want to fucking... Was he naked? Fuck yeah, he was buck. Were you naked? Uh, I had my, I had my uh, towel on and I was shaving because I was going to shave last night so I didn't have to shave this morning when I went into work because I wanted to get in at a good time, do my day, and then get out because I was getting... I'm, I mean, it's... Were it's, you barefoot on the floor? No, I, no, I have shower shoes I wear. I wear shower shoes, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to... Because that, 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 that fucking, fucking locker room... Infection. That locker room is disgusting. It is disgusting. It disgusts me that they even let people be nude in the Y. Well, I mean, th- dude, that, that's what you said. Gym, man. You go fucking take a shower. I mean, you know, the downtown they, don't one's they let better. You bunk down there if you're the, homeless. The downtown one's better. The Hollywood one is like, isn't I mean, the Y and everything like you can hang out there if you need to? Well, there's like a separate room. It's bifurcated, if you will. Oh, boy, there's that probably se- smells different. The, the, that yeah, room. there's like a separate hotel like, or, you know, it's like. You know, sing, it's like places that are half the size of this living room, like 185 square feet for 320 bucks a month. You know what I mean? Like it's really shitty housing that people are literally one, like we, you're one notch away from homeless. Dude, I looked at a know? place at Sixth and Fig before yeah. we moved before we moved to the place in Koreatown, the room yep. we lived in. Yep, it was something like that, like 150 square feet. Which is what? Like, what is that? It's tiny. It's basically the size of a. If you have a small, a two bedroom place, it's a smaller of the two bedrooms. It's a smaller of the two bedrooms. If you have a so, two this was place. considered a studio. Oh god! And it was at Sixth and Fig, and it was like six hundred bucks a month. Oh well, or yeah, something you can't. Like that. I mean, that's just like. And you're gonna literally be living with like people who are one. They're borderline here's, homeless. Here's here's what sold it off of Alicia. Is number one, it didn't have a kitchen. It was like, oh, well, fuck that. Well, neither did the room we went in, but it was yeah. at least attached to a house in a nice neighborhood. Uh, and it was a shared bathroom. Like the bathroom was in the hallway between the apartments. Yeah. Like they were legit studios. It, yeah. 150 might be underselling it. It might be, it might have been closer to 300. Yeah, it's still small. Though. But because this yeah. is like five, what yeah. we're in right now. It's, I'm basically in like 525, 600. Yeah. You know, a small place where I'm at. You know, yeah. You know what? If you knock down everything, or my place is kind of not that much smaller than yours. Oh yeah. Oh no, oh, no. Your place is decent. Yeah, I, I like your place. Yeah, it's got character. It's got, it's a cool old solid building. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's an it's old well, building. Painted. It's clean. It's an old building. You know, it's old. I think but it's we good. tracked the year. We definitely earthquake safe because there was a list of buildings that. For, for that Alicia saw at CBS that like these are the buildings that are gonna call that are you don't want to be in these buildings if the big one hits and ours wasn't on it. I'm sure it's not because it's base. It's I mean these it's are survived thick Northridge ass walls. You know? Dude, we can't put we another thing because I said there's that pillar is steel. Yeah, there's these walls are not drywall. They are legitimate sheetrock. Yeah. I can't yeah. put tacks in the wall. They yeah. bend tacks. Yeah. So in other words, they're fucking powerful. If a big one does hit and this thing does go down, your ass is dead. There's no doubt oh, about that. Oh, it's going to crush you. But 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 uh 
that's going to take a, mo- a monster earthquake, I would think. I mean, not like I'm some expert on this stuff. Like the one that you know, it'll take. It, it'll take one that, like, when they talk about the state breaking off into the ocean, or, or, or yeah, or like an, you know, a seven point nine on the Richter scale. The ones we had this summer were like uh, five. I think they were, no, they were high sixes, but the epicenter was 153 miles away, and we still felt them 153 miles away. Uh, that says something like, oh man, that's. Uh, I mean, that's like if you had one of those 20 miles away. Or you had one five miles away, oh. th- that would be a very big earthquake. You would notice it. I still it, think this you know? building would hold it. Because I think North it would Ridge? actually. What was it, Northridge? Northridge was ninety four, and there was one in seventy one here that was massive in L A. There was a big one in seventy one. So I mean, it's and this building's from the nineteen twenties, I think. So it's been around for a hundred years in L A. It, it, it'll probably survive unless the true big one is like you know whatever a seven nine or an eight three on the Richter scale. The Richter scale, you know, is exponential. So an eight. To a nine, the, the nine I think is a, uh, I want to say it's ten times stronger. So it goes from eight to nine is like they ten times stronger. Seven right. is ten times. It's so, like cause an that, exponential. Because that's, that's I believe. Them, well, and that's them basically saying like, it's not even it's not even worth it to calculate the in between. Because like after eight, yeah. after eight, that's yeah. such a high Massive level natural disaster. That's like yeah. a god level natural disaster. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. we don't even think that's possible. Type I don't of know shit. how many. It's funny you mention that when I've watched things on the Weather Channel, but like, they'll go with like, you know, catastrophes and fires and floods. And they talk about like, you know, you know people, seismologists, I think, they, you know, I think that's what their name is. Uh, you know, what's the largest earthquake in the Earth's history? I remember them talking about stuff like that. And they think there's been like above a 9 0 on the Richter scale, but like, that's like every hundred couple thousand years and it's probably I mean, it's a, caused by like a volcano yeah or it's, it's like an like indonesia that. and stuff because that area is very unstable it's in the there. ring of fire yeah well, and we're part of the ring of fire yeah. but but that area is like that area like up into japan that that's pretty powerful shit man like that's pretty real you know where's the closest volcano to us because isn't that what the ring of fire is like the it's the seismic and, and volcanic activity? I think so yeah yeah not Mount St. Helens in, in Washington State which went off in 1980 when I was in the fifth grade I remember that used to be in my history books absolutely like you see the big cloud yeah the, I don't know there's got to be ones in California there's got to be a few I think over in like New Mexico is much more of a ge- geologically active part of the mountain range of the Rockies than say Montana or Canada. So there's a lot more activity going on there, you know? So, but anyway, uh, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about living, well, you, living you places. Were doing your, your Sal Palantonio. Well, yeah, I can't. <laughs> uh, he was like, yeah. I thought of you though, because I watched that 1917 movie. Yes. Uh, I'm here. I'm curious about it. Oh yeah, it's good. And it, it's, we had to sign for it because it's gears. not even it's in good. theaters yet. Oh wow! Okay. Which this is going to be hard spoilers. I can't even probably. Oh, I probably can't even say we talked about it in the description. What are they going to do? Is the fucking ghost of MGM? I don't know. I just going to come here and get you in the middle of the night. I just don't want to. My God, it's so important. You know. Also, what I heard is if because like I I joked and I was like, dude, let's fucking put these screeners online, dude. Let's put them up as torrents and like let people. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I don't want to get you kicked out of the Writers Guild. And yeah. she was like, oh, you can't get kicked out of the Writers Guild. I guess it's like ironclad. <laughs> they just make you, if Once you you, get if you violate the screener thing, like if you get caught letting borrowing them to people or something, they just make you a non-voting member. Okay. And if you're a non-voting member, you don't get screeners. Like that's why Alicia has to watch these. She's going to pick the nominations or huh. vote. She at least votes for the nominees. Good for her, man. I didn't know that. I didn't know the guilds vote for the nominees. The guild. I thought the academy we're writers did it all. guild. We're gonna come together and train you to be a <laughs> guildsman. 
You're a Cooper. You make barrels. And you, I don't know if it's German. Is it British? It's something. So 1917 is World War One, <coughs> which I was trepidatious on because, in my opinion, World War One is World War One is kind of boring. Well, I know it's. You see, the problem with that people have with go ahead. no nuclear. No, go on. So yeah, because build up anyway. I, I I think the same thing. Uh, in people's eyes, because there's no Hitler figure, because there's no tote like a real evil, because there's no super weapon that ends it, you know, like a nuclear weapon. I, I think poor World War One gets the fucking. It's like a redhead stepchild. It doesn't treat it with respect. And that's the, the big most one. Vi- the most violent. Which one con- was the big one? That was World War. Oh one, no, no, right? World War Two is the big one. World War Two was because that's what they called it at the time. No, no, World War One was called the Great War. World War Two was worse. World War Two. World War One was called the Great War. Well, here's the because, thing, because because most people died in that conflict than any. Kind Conflict in human history up to that point until the Second World War, which I, was three times. Here's larger. what I wonder, though: three times larger than that. Like when I was a kid and the Iraq War was going on, the first one. Yeah, people just called it Desert Storm because that's what the mission was called. Well, yeah, exactly. What I want to know does the is propaganda work. I don't know. But what I want to know is, like, in during the '40s, they weren't saying like, "Oh, that guy's fighting over on World War II." Oh yeah, yeah. Like, that, what did I wonder what they referred it? Yeah, yeah. To no, it that's as. actually a totally good point. Because, like, how you, you know? said they called World War One the Great War. I think that was also called the Great War, maybe post World War One finishing. What's interesting now? There's well, a historic up on the Wikipedia. Th- there's a histor- there's a historical theory now that's pretty in vogue with historians that basically say the First World War and the Second World War, the first that they aren't even that they're basically the same thing. It was essentially a twenty-year break, okay. and then the sa- it was basically the same thing. They called it the Second World War. Oh, when it was going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's you know, but, but again, historians now I think perceive it, and, and this is a big uh, theory that's in vogue, uh, and that is that World War One and World War Two are basically just the same conflict. It just and there was a twenty-year hiatus because it was like okay, it was so tough for a while. Someone was declared the loser, but the the underlying tensions and all that fr- it just like it it just didn't resolve anything really. You know, it's just like if at all, it really unleashed these passions that just. I mean, it, it's a crazy time period. I'll go to that time period between World War One and World War Two, and this is the perspective I want because I think I'm thinking about seeing 1917. I didn't see Midway. But I did see Jojo Rabbit. So those are the three World War Two movies. Dude, if you don't mind, it's not long. If after if after you want to watch it, we can. Yeah, well, I think I'm probably gonna hit the road. But I mean, but no, but dude, I, I'm interested in seeing it at some point because it comes I, out Christmas. I, I want to see if uh, if the movie kind of lays the seeds at all to the future conflict because it was basically like Treaty of Versailles. That, that's how people look at it now. But the Treaty of Versailles was just a, a an unmitigated disaster. Poor diplomacy, very poor diplomacy. And the world figured some shit out after World War II and created the United Nations. But uh, through time, the United States didn't like the United Nations because the United States doesn't really want to be challenged in its dominance over the planet. So the UN does give a voice to actually hold America somewhat accountable. And most people in America don't like that. I mean, the UN's fallen out of vogue for a solid 40 years maybe even 50 years, because uh, at one time, the United States was very committed to it. It's obviously one of the full-time five voting members. You know, there's basically all the nations and then the five nations that really matter that are above the rest. But you know something? The world is changing, and it's just crazy. Like, it's not... That whole institution has just been fading because the memory of World War II is now 
Jesus, he's almost 80 years old. I mean, no, hardly anyone's alive from that era anymore. So it's like when you don't have that practical experience, I think there's a real challenge going on right now to that sort of polarity or that or that paradigm that was created basically kind of Western Europe and America essentially dominating the planet, you know? And you had the Soviet Union for a long time. You had to deal with that, but well, that went away. And so now it's real. I think the world is really kind World of- War One because that's you, you, whatever. What I found interesting is you said World War One changed the globe. Oh, absolutely. Like, there were different countries were, were formed. Yeah. Czechoslovakia did not exist before World War One. The Habsburg Empire was pulled apart. An empire for 500 years. And I, well, 500 years was, do- was gone. World War One was, I think, officially the end of the British Empire. Well, it certainly... World War Two. what people sometimes say, is actually the Suez Canal Crisis of 1956. But anyway, but, but World War One was the beginning of the end. World War Two was a death blow because it was like the baton was passed to America that you are the most dominant country. Because the Suez Canal Crisis, when... Nasser tried America to... America na- was barely in World War One, right? We got in at the very end. It was the tipping point because it was staying out of it because of our isolationist tendencies, which is all part of the Trump thing too, which is hysterical. It's it's a very flawed philosophy. You're not stemming the tide of human history. There's more of us. We're more integrated than ever before. Yeah. I know that kind of scares you, but that's just the reality. We've been integrating the world since the days of Marco Polo, if not before. Alexander the Great. This is the arc of history, man. And you are not bending it. You might affect it a little bit, but you really aren't going to change it. So how the order that is decided is decided is sort of being figured out right now but but i think with uh, with world war 1 if we could get back to my train of thought on that i mean yeah it it basically it, it changed yeah colonial empires and colonialism and european dominance was totally fading because there were five powers that were essentially jockeying for power there wasn't one unified country which is country even even compare even now even now is more unified than europe you know, I mean, it just is. As a block of people, it just is. You know, as, a, as an economic block, it just is. It's got fraying. There's some real problems. There's some big issues it's got to deal with. But again, I think World War I, I I'll be curious to see. Yeah, what, what was interesting about it you said? So I apologize, Keith. It's the premise oh, well. of the movie is... I'm sorry, uh, blathering. <laughs> it's uh, these two dudes... It's England, I think, in World War One because yeah. they're British. They might be in France. But they're in France. That's what a lot of the fighting was in France. Yeah, I lot, think they are. Like in the France, and a lot Germany of fucking, didn't have any war battles. There very a, few battles. A on lot it. of the people fucking speak French and shit in it. Oh yeah, uh, that's why France was fucking hated Germany after the war. They fucking because the majority they of the fir- up their country because the the majority of the First World War was fought on French soil. Belgium. Little bit and not much on Germany was essentially unscathed, which was all part Did they of even get to though Portugal at all. Uh, well, no, but go ahead though, man. Go ahead. Uh, isn't Portugal right by France? No, it's it's actually on the Iberian Peninsula next to Spain. Spain is in between Portugal and France. Uh, so, all right. Okay. Um, so these two dudes take a mission. Uh, they are. It's not even specified which battle. Basically, like there's this battle that's about to take place in the morning and they figured out they did overs they did like plain oversight yep. of it they skied yep. over it very early reconnaissance and they noticed that nobody was there it was abandoned so they were like it's a trap they know we're coming you're going to come in they're going to pinch you cut you off and then fucking slaughter you yeah, yeah. so pin- they a pincer movement if you will mm, yes so they were so. like you have to take this letter to the front to general mckenzie they call him uh, and tell them to stop the mission, or fucking sixteen hundred soldiers are going to die. Slaughtered. And the one com- this is it, no, this is in nineteen seventy. Was it in November nineteen seventeen or, or October? Did they give the month? I have the. I'm just curious if it was close spring. to the end of the war. Oh no, it's not at okay. the height of the first world war during spring okay. nineteen seventeen. 
uh, I'll get I'll just do the premise because this doesn't do any yeah. spoilers, and then I'll talk about what sure. happened in the movie. Uh, in northern France, two young British soldiers, Schofield and Blake, are given a seemingly impossible mission to deliver a message which will warn of an ambush during one of the skirmishes soon after the German retreat to the Hindenburg Line during Operation Alberic. Hmm. Uh, the two recruits race against time crossing enemy territory to deliver the warning and keep a British battalion of 1,600 men, which which includes Blake's own brother, from walking into a deadly trap. The pair must give their all to accomplish their mission by surviving the war to end all wars. Well, that's what it was called. So what's cool about the movie is it's... It's the anticipation of something happening that keeps you on edge the whole movie. Yeah. Because at the beginning of it, they're walking through the trench, which it really gives you a nice peek into trench warfare in yeah. World War One. Yeah. Because I didn't realize they like lived in those things. Oh fuck they yeah, had, like, they little did. They... Cutouts that like were little rooms. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, they make food and stoves and shit. Walls yeah. and like uh, people rats are playing, like crap. it's like a little neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. That like I just thought it was a place to dig out and we're sitting here for the night. That, oh, like, oh no, that yeah. was their base basically. Oh, yeah. We're Absolutely. like we're trenching out here and then we're gonna go fan out from there. Yep. So when they take it on, it's just some random fucking captain who's like, "You have to go do this." It's just some dude who got information and it was like, "You have to go take this fucking letter. This is crucial." Yeah. Uh, they even had to go get permission to do it because they have to leave the trench and cross the front lines. Yeah. And the one dude and the the. I think the colonel or the yeah I think the colonel is like you guys are fucking nuts dude like you, you're not gonna survive so this, he's he, you know. he describes to him and he was like just what like, they have to do basically yeah, yeah and he was just like you got to go here and then go past the barriers he, he's just like you're gonna go you're gonna see some dead horses you got to go left at the dead horses like he just describes this grim territory yeah and yeah. then he was like he gets he talks for like three minutes and he was like then you'll get to the German front and then you have to do this, this and this. Yep. Uh, and what's cool is they get past the barriers and like you really see like how big those fucking uh, barbed wire fucking barriers were and shit oh, like yeah. that. And like, yeah. dude, the creepy part is, is they have these mud hills because I didn't realize that it was like a mud war. Oh, absolutely. Dude, like, it was a brutal fucking yeah. war. Yeah. It was brutal. There, it, if you look... There's fucking dead bodies and like, faces embedded into in the shit. fucking yeah. hills and shit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. I was going to say, were there like body parts on the fucking... At one point, thing? dude, they have to slide into this crater, and he tells them, avoid craters. They're deeper than you think. Yeah. Uh, but they have to slide through one to get it, and he slides in and falls into the water, and he goes to stop himself, and he puts his hand on a body, and his hand falls through the chest of the body. Ugh. And he has to pull it out, and then like his, his hand is cut. Oh, so maybe some infection and shit. Well, I told Alicia yeah. when we were watching, I was like, what if it became a zombie movie right now? <laughs> like that's it pivoted it, at that moment. Yeah. So it's the, it's just a whole movie of that shit. So like legitimately the whole movie, like, because you're like, oh, this whole movie is them just trying to find this general. Yeah. And it's just the anticipation of like something, like the whole movie. You're, Alicia th- nailed it. She goes, this feels like a horror movie. Yeah. Like it's got that build where you're like, oh, yeah. something's about to happen. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, that's smart, man. Because it's know, just so quiet the whole movie. Yeah. And like there's barely any bombs going off. And you just see how like it's basically them ro- walking through the remnants of war. Yeah. And then they actually the detritus. Get, and then they actually get into the German front and the second they crack into the front, like they say, like this is the front, and you just see planes and like bombs going off immediately. Yeah. Like yeah. it immediately just becomes war. Yeah. 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 And then like they you see like the side tracks you get on, like they come on this town and they uh, you uh, really have to 
they have to make sure that there's no enemies wherever they go. Yeah. And so they see this town and they're like, well, now we have to go make sure no one's there. Yeah. So like that's a big part of the movie of like yeah. now you have to go determining this that town. And figuring that and out. And then even the, what they do that I like is they get sidetracked, but they still mention like because they have to do this. They're going to send the troops out in the morning. So they have to get there by the morning. And so the dude's like, all right, it's going to take us nine hours to walk there because it's yeah. like it's this many miles. Yeah. So yep. they have it all budgeted out so they'll get there before sunrise. Oh, yeah. So, so, so there's a, there's a, there's a, a grind. Like, we got to get going here, guys. So yeah, when yeah, they yeah. come upon this town, like, he was just like, we have to fucking case it. And he was just like, we got to go, dude. Yeah. So they, they've come upon this town and uh, there's no one there, but they see a dog fight. That's the cool part. Like, you get to watch this little dog fight happen uh-huh. in the distance and yeah. one of the planes goes down and it comes right at him. And it's a German soldier, or French. It's just an enemy. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's probably German because it's France and England versus Germany. And uh, well, you don't know he's an enemy until so he crashes and they pull his body out. Blake does. Uh, he's like the uh, he's the Joker of the movie. He's yeah. like the the comic relief if yeah. there is one. Yeah, he's like and he's the nice guy. So the one dude is like, dude, we have to fucking get out of here. Let's just leave this fucking guy. Yeah. Let's put him out of his misery, they say. So he was like, no, we have to help him go get water. And he takes his helmet to get water. Yeah. And while he's pumping the water, the German dude fucking shanks Blake and kills him. Ooh. And you have this crazy scene where like, and it takes a lot. And that's a lot of the shit that they, that takes the time of the movie is Blake dying is like a 10 minute scene of him dying in his arms. Oh yeah. Like at first they're trying to just move him because he's like, I could carry you. We're going to get you help. Yeah. And, and he just can't. It's dead weight. And the, yeah. you just see more blood coming out. Yeah, you know, it's not good. It's not yeah. good. And yeah. here's what's fucked up is when he starts dying, you see his memory start to go because he even, he accepts he knows he's dying. And then when he actually starts dying, he goes like, oh, I've been hit. Like he starts forgetting why he's even on the uh, ground. And then he was just like, who did it? Did we win? And then he and then all of a sudden he goes, I'm dying, aren't I? And then, like, he just, like, and goes, fades. and then, like, he says, like, tell my brother I love him, blah, 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 yeah. write my mom a letter. Uh, God. And then I, he just I hope dies. I have thoughts like that. I, I think I might be so self-absorbed I don't even. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have a, 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 a heartfelt moment like that. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, no, man. I mean. That, that, so then, and then he get, he finally comes on a, another group of soldiers. Uh, and then he, they're, like, on this truck and the truck gets stuck in mud. Yeah. And he's like, there's this crazy scene where he literally puts his back into it and he's like, I gotta go, I gotta go. And like, cause they're like, dude, we're just gonna fucking pitch up and we're gonna deal with this in the morning, yeah. dude. Yeah. And he was just like, I gotta go, I gotta go. And he convinces them all to like get the whole fucking yeah, get, manpower yeah, behind yeah, it and yeah, they get push eight or it 10 out. guys to get it out there. Uh, yeah. And then there's this cool scene where he comes upon this village that's fucking blazing on fire. It's like yeah. the dead of night and yeah. it's just this. Um, it looks beautiful yeah. where you're like this blazing town is just literally scorching on yep. fire. Yep. But then he ducks into this little cut to hide from some soldiers and he meets this mom with her baby. He helps the baby. He gives her all his food because yeah. he doesn't need it. Yeah. Like as in his head, he's like, I'm dying on this mission. Oh man. So he gives, he gives the baby milk and shit. Sounds good. And then like he, yeah. And then fucking Benedict Cumberbatch is the general. But the, what they do a great fucking they do a, the regiment he meets up to say like I gotta go talk to the general. Yeah. They say when you deliver when you deliver this letter, make sure there's witnesses saying for him to stand down because the guy he goes some of the generals like the hunt. 
Oh, like where they would oh. say, like, even though the letter says stand down, they'll just ignore you and say, fuck it. We're going to do this because they're so, aggressive. Yeah. So he said, like, make sure there's a witness. Interesting. To when you say. And I was like, I bet that was a thing where like there were fucking generals that just went rogue and we're like, fuck it. We're right here. We're, we're going to win yeah. this. We're well, right here. We're, we're yeah. so close. Let's just do it. Well, and they'll just, pre- the and they'll of, just yeah. pretend like they never heard it. Like no one came to me with a ceasefire. And, and that could be believable. Yeah. You know, what I mean? or, or maybe, hey, kill this guy. I don't want him to be around. We're going to, you know, I, I'm sure shit like that probably happens. Like, no, I'm doing what I want to do, especially at the end of a war. I would think like that. I guess the battle fatigue, because everyone thought the lead up to World War One is so interesting of just like, you know, it was this great, you know, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, patriotic event. People were in the streets and everyone thought the wars were going to last like, yeah. last like six weeks. Well, what's great. And it ended up being fucking four years. What's great is he finally gets to fucking Benedict Cumberbatch fights through he has to go through another trench yeah. and they already established at the beginning how fucking cavernous and winding these trenches are and yeah. i think that's why they did it because him he's wasting time because when he gets to the fucking trench they're they're sending the first wave of men out Ugh. he was like we're going in three waves the first wave is out right now so he's like i gotta fucking get this letter dude the people are already going yeah so he gets the cumberbatch and when cumberbatch finally reads the letter and he was like all right tell him to fucking cancel the mission or whatever. And then he says something. I don't know it. I can't repeat it exactly because it's all poetic and Benedict Cumberbatchy. Yeah. But he basically says like, we would have won the war right now. Like I'm following the orders, but like basically I think his whole point was like, nope, like the people making these decisions aren't on the field. Yeah. Like fuck the 1600 men. Like we would have won the war right now. Yeah. Like we've been posted up. I've studied this for fucking days. Like you guys just fucked my shit up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's... And then he just goes... And then he just goes, go get something to eat. Fix your wounds. Like, he yeah. just goes back into, like, all right, go fix yourself up, yeah, soldier. Yeah, but there's yeah. that brief moment of just, like, God damn it, we were so close. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you would have just if you would have just came 10 minutes later, we would have won this goddamn war. Yeah, you know. Well, I think there was a real... And I know something about World War One. I. I read All is Quiet in the Western Front right when I moved here, actually. You know, so I mean, that's the, one of the last books I read, I think. But but I, is that I don't, like the go-to World War One? Well, yeah, it's certainly a big uh, kind of an anti-war. Uh, Hitler, the Germans did not like it. It's actually about German soldiers, about common foot soldiers, and just pointing out these sort of absurdities of their everyday life. It was a very unique book in that sense. It really had that kind of point of view of you know truly regular soldiers. So it was very popular, very popular book. Uh, I think it was made into made, been made into a movie twice. I think it might be under production again. Uh, but I think it won an Oscar for like best movie, like in 1920, one of the very first Oscars ever. So I want to get into I, what I want to close out on since we're on World War Two and the Nazis. Yeah. Or World War One, because I think they started in World War One. They well, were like there weren't any Nazis. Was, there weren't any Nazis at that time, but it created the conditions yeah. for the Nazis. Absolutely. So I, I was looked up because what fascinates me about the Bundesliga always is that it's 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 not that old. It's, it started in 1963. Yeah. Uh, and before then, there was no professional soccer in Germany, which blew my mind. That's why the German national team always got fucking housed in the World Cup. Yeah. And that's a big then part. Then they figured it out, though, and now they're dominant. Well, that's a big part of they why. They know what they're doing. That's a big part of why they wanted professionalism. And I guess they say professionalism and Nazism never got along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, because yeah, yeah. they wanted to be in charge. They didn't like I think they, they didn't want anything superior to them. Yeah, basically. probably that. And also Nazism is uh, goofy and insane and, and not. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I mean, the general. I mean, but specifically people being paid for sports clashed with with they just ne- didn't allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
So the Gao Legion were formed in 1933. These are all, and then I just got into a backlog. Like it was one of those interesting things where I was like, this was the league before the Bundesliga. And then I was, and then they were like, well, this was actually an offshoot of this league, which was an offshoot of this league. And then you get to the Nazis. Yep. Uh, the Gao Ligen were formed in 1933 to replace the previously existing Berserkus Ligas in Weimar, Germany. Uh, the yep. Nazis initially introduced 16 regional Gao Ligen, some of them subdivided into groups. I'm sure div- the groups were based on any r- racial fucking, thing. Yeah. Or, I, I, honestly, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was based on sort of different regions and giving like a sense of unity. No. We, yes, you are from Saxony. Yes, you are from Bavaria. Yes, or you are from uh, yeah. whatever, Prussia. But you know something? We're together in this together. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a commonality, like a German identity. So this is where they that, start you know? doing the like how I was telling you this is all very much dictated by war geography. The introduction of the Gau Ligen was part of the uh, Glaiken Staltung. Glocken Schaltung. I'm bad at German. Yeah, well, process. I, I am too. Yeah. Uh, whereby the Nazis completely re- revamped the domestic administration. Something your fucking yeah. grandma or aunt told you about. Yeah, yeah. The Gau yeah. Ligen were largely formed along the new Gau, designed to replace old German states like Prussia and Bavaria, yep. and therefore gain, uh, gain better control over the country. So yeah. ju- interesting how they sold it with sports. Oh, yeah. About like, we're giving you new sports leagues, but it was really but, like... you know. We're bread and whatever, not bread and games, but bread yeah. and puppets. Or whatever Even back then, they were like, "This step came as a disappointment." A lot of Germans wanted professionalism because uh, all the countries that had professional leagues were killing it in the international. Game. Yeah. Um, interesting. Shortly before the Nazis came to power, the DFB started to seriously consider the establishment of such a national league. Uh, a decision was made on the establishment of the Reichsliga, which would have been a badass name. Oh yeah. Uh, as a professional well, that's, league. That's the Reich, you know. Uh, four weeks before the date the session was canceled, professionalism and Nazi ideology did not agree with each other. Um, and then the feed, the 38 World Cup, uh, the debate was reopened. Uh, and then the wars stopped it. Yeah. And then it wasn't really until 63 that they actually brought it back up and created God. the Bundesliga. That would have um, been an interesting time to be around, man. You think about that, uh, about like Clooney's doing that. Uh, you know, if that was like a, uh, like in the 50s, late 40s, 50s, like Germany, when it was West and East Germany, like the division, you know, of like, you know, uh, of the Soviet Union basically taking over the East part and the West being you know, the Western part. Yeah. Uh, of just like kind of that, that it wasn't just like overnight, I think that that happened. You know, my, my, my aunt was in the, you know, occupied Berlin, like in in the, in the American sector. Luckily, but man, you did not want to be in the Russian sector. You got fucked with well, in the Russian sector. This is influence. This is the Nazis' influence over soccer. Uh, with the rise of the Nazis to power, the German Football Association came fully under the power's influence. All sport, including football, was controlled by the uh, Reichssportführer uh, Hans von Taschammer, or Taschammer. Hans von Tischammer und Osten. Jesus Christ with these names. I know. <laughs> no wonder they wanted to take over the world. Those names just mean it. They, you know what I mean? Adolf Hitler's kind of boring. These names. Von Bismarck Otto. Like these fucking names. The Nazis got. prohibited all workers' sports clubs. Uh, and increasingly so, all Jewish sports associations. I'm sure. Jewish clubs were immediately removed from all National League football competitions in 33 and had to play their own tournaments. From 38 
1938, all Jewish sports clubs were forbidden outright. Additionally, clubs with strong connections to Jews were punished and fell into disfavor, like Bayern Munich, uh, who had a Jewish coach and chairman. Wow. After the annexation of Austria in 1938, FK Austria Wine, another club with strong Jewish ties, suffered from persecution, and many of the club's leaders, like its chairman, Emanuel Schwartz, had to escape uh, their survival of the Nazi regime. This is actually a big part of a book I read about why soccer spread so globally because a lot of the dudes who were good at the tactical aspects of it were Jewish and they had to flee all over Europe to escape yeah. Nazism and yeah. fascism. So they they brought the game to all the places yeah. they went to. And they had some knowledge and were experienced. And that's soccer. how like that's how South that's completely how South America got soccer. Oh yeah, I believe. Oh absolutely. Oh, I be- or, absolutely. Or hip to it. I believe it. Because the, believe the that. original brought was uh, workers. For when they built the canals and shit. Yeah, they all oh, go play for an hour. Yeah. yeah, it's your entertainment after work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole like uh, the oh, I believe that because I mean whatever Germany. That's where Germany got a lot of its resources to build its war machine. Was they went to South America, which is the reason why so many of those Nazis ended up back there. You know what I mean? When they were when they were leaving, Joseph Mengele, people like that, Eichmann, they all ended up like in Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina. Because and that's part of the reason why they always had like, plus those areas had authoritarian governments. You know. So, because slavery was still a thing, you know, even not, not when they were there, but I'm just saying there was a legacy to that. Those authoritarian governments were big, you know. But the, uh, the Nazis were interested in furthering sport, especially football, as success in the sports served their propaganda efforts. I'm sure. I, I, I they were true. Like, people don't Mussolini realize. Mussolini used soccer for propaganda. He would always look. He, there was a video of him playing soccer with kids, and he didn't even. They said he might have not even known the rules of the game. Yeah. He just knew how powerful the game was, and they were yep. like, if I can. If I could somehow be seen, not even to... Oh, I can relate to him. Exactly. He's doing something I like. Hey, he, he might be okay. Okay, sure. At the sure. end of the day, he just wants Italy to win the World Cup. You know, Just hey, like me. Exactly. You know, we like him. It's funny. I saw a, a little uh, documentary on him on the... Uh, his, on the uh, um, <laughs> On the former military channel, this is my really nerding out. They had like a Mussolini hour, which I, I honest to God, I, I That'd knew be a fun enough. segment on any show. The Mussolini hour, hey, da 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 ba ba Mussolini hour with Phil Silver. Ba da ba da ba ba da ba. Benito Mussolini. But I watched like a you know he was dragged by his toes through the town, strung up in Milan, strung his ass. I think I feel like the term we're gonna string you up is based very much. Yeah, I think it's. Probably existed before that, but really got some some mileage and got some gas thrown out, you know. So, but they wanted to. That'd be funny says, if they were like, "What should we do with them?" You know how our moms always said, "I'm going to string you up." Yeah, let's do that. Today. It was him and a bunch of his deputies and like his his mistress because he was a complete philanderer. I mean, he was like he was Italian. I, I mean, he I guess like he had this incredibly like Hitler was this weird sort of like sexual esthete like sort of square. Mussolini, I guess, nailed just hundreds of women. Like he was a completely voracious. Like he had to fuck. That's just what it was. You know, but he basically, you know, I mean, he, I mean, Hitler loved Hitler, admired him, and loved him. And initially, when the relationship, Mussolini Potato to- drives so well. But but but, but initially, there we go, a little X-y there. But but they, I guess he initially, drives, I said. Oh, you said like he like drives, the cars. Like he's fucking. <laughs> but see, you went Xy. Maybe on that I one. did. Maybe I did. But my point. Oh, here's the close-up. Are they gonna kiss? Yeah. Oh, he's gonna kiss her well, hand. Well, and I don't know oh, if I told so you before. Oh. They always. Is that Chelsea Clinton? <laughs> they always establish oh, she's probably dr- he's daydreaming but they always oh. like they fall in love before they even like kiss 
Like they'll they'll realize they love each other, and then the final closing scene is always them kissing finally. Is that a Christian motif or something? It's definitely a family thing of like we don't we just want. It's definitely the family thing of like we want to get we want to let you know that they are in love, but God. they're not. Even sometimes like there was one where they did bang, but they literally just like they had them kiss in a coffee shop and then it immediately went to the next morning and she was like walking around and they were both smoking cigarettes <laughs> like it was that's a 70s great. movie uh everyone that was always that always signified sex in a 70s movie. that's one of my favorite david tell jokes where he was like talking about everything you do after what you need a cigarette for yeah and he was just like after sex you need a cigarette <laughs> after sex with a ugly woman or a confused young man <laughs> and then he was just like but nothing else works after sex he was just like you never have sex with a woman and then you're just like oh that was great <laughs> skittle would you like a skittle <laughs> such a great bit but my point is i uh, Mussolini looked down on hitler initially i thought he was just this total like just even when hitler took over germany because he thought he was like the original the original fascist and then it changed it all went to hitler you know so I'm the original fascist. Hans von Toschhammer und yep. Osten specifically ordered that players from former workers as sports movements, which I think that's talking about because back in the day, a lot of like, like if there was a steel mill, they would start a soccer team. Yeah. And they I'm sure there it. was like union discussions and during that time it. and shit too. Yeah, they, yeah. Like a lot of those players were fucking awesome because they were steel workers and shit. Like they're yeah, blue absolutely. collar people. They're in shape. They're, they're in shape play. too. Yeah. So, uh, Hans von Toschhammer und Olsten ordered that a lot of the former workers of sports movements be integrated into the Nazi approved clubs as the Nazis could not afford to lose the country's best players. Uh, upon its upon his orders, teams were not selected by political criteria, but by performance criteria. Despite this, the number of active active players and clubs declined in regions like the Ruhr area. Oh, the Ruhr? Oh, yeah. That's a big industrial area. That, that, that's actually a big area that was bombed. Where the workers like Western movement Germany. was traditionally strong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that was a big area that like a lot of bombing went on the Ruhr, man. I mean, because like a lot of tanks, cars, everything was made there. The fact know? that some famous players had less than less than German sounding names and were more uh, mostly descendants of Polish immigrants was ignored by the Nazis. Uh, on the contrary, players like uh, Seppin successfully uh, represented Nazi Germany. Other, that's just a player. Jewish players yeah. like the two. They former, weren't allowed. I have a feeling. Like the two former internationals, Gottfried. Fuchs, <laughs> I'm Maury Schwartzman. Godfried, I'm a defenseman. Godfried, I play for Bayern Munich. Godfried Fuchs <laughs> and Julius Hirsch oh, yeah. were not as welcome. They, they were not as welcome. Yeah, exactly. They, with names like that, they weren't taking communion. You know, so. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah. And then after uh, when the so after this league, when uh, the war ended, let me see when these started. So, yeah, 1945. So as the war was ending, like I was saying, uh, like the Gauliga being based on like war geography is important because yeah. as Germany started losing the war, the allies started reoccupying territory yeah, different spaces, and that affected yeah. everything so a lot of these leagues would systematically go out of go out of so business uh, in 1945 there was the uber league of sud which is south well there weren't many men left i think either man i mean that's my my aunt said at the end of the war there just weren't men around so you married a soldier or a yeah. gi because six million men had died <laughs> you know i mean it's a lot you know that's a good chunk of your men male population so uh 
the Oberliga Süd, Südwest, Oberliga Berlin. Berlin is such a big thing that it had its own fucking league. Yeah. Um, Oberliga Nord and Oberliga West. And then the DDR Oberliga formed in 1949, which I think was uh, the East Germany Bundesliga. That was the top level of soccer in East Germany. In communist East Germany. Uh, and then after 1991, those teams... Those are like your the F- wall came down. Yep. Those are your FC Union Berlin or like there are teams that are in the Bundesliga now that were like in that league, like Dynamo Dresden and shit like that. I, I forgot. I mean, it's Keith. It's just when I look back, ninety one, dude. When the wall came down, my wall. my cousins that I that I know out here were there in Germany. They liked it. Yeah. They, my cousin. Well, 89 was going to happen in My Germany, cousin was yeah. there when they were breaking it down, and he goes, the coolest thing that I did is he got to reach through and shake hands with somebody through yeah. the wall, through a hole in the wall. Yeah. I, I can't tell you what a big deal that was. I mean, for, for me and my yeah, young... Yeah, they sent David Hasselhoff to sing. It was a huge deal. <laughs> Roger Waters played, ter- they played the wall, Pink Floyd, and they teared it down. But I, uh, it happened in 89. I, I remember, like, I mean, I was in college at that time, and for young adulthood, I mean, for my entire life... The Soviet Union and the Cold War. I am convinced that's a fundamental difference between myself and people of the younger generation of not having the Cold War experience and kind of how you kind of looked at things. You know, I mean, roughly the personalities are the same. The experiences are, you know, somewhat. But but there was just a, the fact that there was just this bad guy that was the Soviet Union, you know, and ultimately that meant Russia, which makes this whole Trump thing. Yeah, because the Soviet Union was like, most of Europe. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of Eastern Europe. Post, it's it's, it's really yeah. the end of the Second World War. Truly, was Czechoslovakia part of the? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because that's when it became the Czech Republic. Well, the Czech Republic was the Western half. Slovakia was the Eastern half. So very different ethnic regions there. So but uh, when was Czechoslovakia? Uh, it, it was until until the wall came okay. down, which I think was probably ninety one. And then after that, it became Slovakia and the Czech Republic. And Czech Republic, exactly. Which which, of, which it was before. No, no. Before it was part of the Habsburg Empire, so it, it was it was basically created in 1919. Well, wasn't Germany part of the Ottoman Empire originally? No, no. Germany, uh, no, no uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yeah, uh, was basically the the Ottoman Empire. You know, the Habsburg Empire. I think was another name for it. I could be wrong. Call bullshit. Because when did Germany so. become a thing? 1871. Yeah, so it became a nation. So. Um, but anyway, it, it just uh, so that's that's part of the reason why World War One was so disturbing. It, it so thoroughly ripped apart the social structures of that time, and there was nothing that really replaced it. So there was a lot of instability all over Europe, all particularly Central Europe. Italy had a bunch of instability. Germany had a bunch of instability. There were communism was very much a real force. Like it was, dude, it definitely had a chance. That tracks know? because in the nineties, Syria, the Italian soccer teams lost their hold on European soccer. Like in the eighties, they yep. dominated yep. like the European because the wall coming down like totally that. affected the dynamics. Probably fucked with their money hard. Yeah, yeah. and it also probably. I mean, it just changed. It just changed things, and so. But what I learned from the Cold War in my little left-wing perspective at that time, which is right, um, was just the idea of the necessity of an enemy. Like, states have to always have an enemy. You know, and for the United States, it was the Soviet Union. That was just drilled into your head. Every news story, the Soviet, all those movies of that era, Red Dawn, every James Bond movie was the Cold War was a fundamental tension I part of it. I hate Red Dawn. You know, oh yeah, but all, all those movies, I, I just saw bits and pieces of the movie Falcon and the Snowman with Timothy Hutton and, and Sean Penn last night, just like 15 minutes. Total Cold War movie. Has such a Cold War feel to it. I mean, it's all about spying with the Soviets. 
But the point is, you always had an enemy. And when it when it collapsed, the right was kind of the right got messed up over that. They didn't quite know what to do because the enemy was gone. Clinton was president. You know what's going on? And boy, September 11th happened, and and then there was already some hatred towards the Middle East, particularly with Iran, because of the high. It's just Iran we got hostage. on board in 9/11. 9/11 just really it, it upped the ante of that. Which of, of, goes to know. show you, if you want something done, America has to hate it. <laughs> Which is like it, it's just the whole. Yeah. So right now, the enemy, of course, is quote unquote terrorism. There was a discussion of that. Like when I was young, and the big term was guerrilla warfare. I was like, you got to fight a gorilla. When I was like seven years old, how on earth is a human going to be able to beat a gorilla? I didn't realize yeah. it was a term for like, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm going to even uh, look of uh, the Soviet I'm... Union and like messing with the American social order. But when '91 happened and the Soviet Union collapsed, the hubris of the West was huge. So it is just crazy that the Russian. Thing Thing, and that they have come back that's seared into Putin's head he said it was the biggest catastrophe of the 20th century was the collapse of the Soviet Union and he has had an axe to grind ever since then doesn't trust the West why would they trust the West they lost 27 million people in the Second World War every family in Russia every family had someone that died in their family every one of them it was a true war of extinction and extermination which is mind-blowing if you think about it <laughs> that's so wild that yeah. it was so like different countries oh yeah because i'm looking on here to see if one league was considered better than the other one well and this is where for until 1963 this was the league oh yeah because they had these oberligas but those were like amateur yeah. shit yep so like this was the shit for a while where like it was the top but i don't even think they were professional professionals um yeah. But then the yeah, S sixty three, the Bundesliga happened. But it just blows my mind that they just were like, This is specifically our like we're Eastern Germany, we are separate yeah. from Western Germany. Oh, of course. They had, they had the wall was it was a very so bright. So even line. on the map was East and West Germany two, Absolutely. They were two separate countries. Absolutely. They were separate countries. Absolutely. Yeah. So you looked at it, it was like it was it was West Germany. And you look at the Olympics. It's like West and the, it's like North and South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not just Dakota. Absolutely. So when that happened in 91, that was truly the end of this of, of the Second World War. And I think about that. And the world became a different place. The order certainly changed. So Amer- they had two Olympic teams, huh? Oh, it was East and West Germany. Absolutely. And the East Germans were notorious for like doping athletes. Were so. West Germany, were they good? Oh, they were competitive. But when they became Germany, they became more competitive. But East Germany was the shit. Uh, they're certainly one of the most competitive teams in, in the Olympics, without a doubt. It was the United States and the Soviet Union. That's when the Olympics used to matter. The 76 Olympics was the last good Olympics, and I have extremely faint memories of that. Ah, uh, that's funny because East Germany was communist, right? Absolutely, So yes. the Oberliga, the DDR Oberliga, uh, operated on an autumn-spring schedule, as was traditional in Germany. But no, exactly. My point, though, to, I'm sorry to interrupt, Keith. Yeah. To what your generation and my generation, the difference, like the fact that you didn't know that there was a distinct East Germany and West Germany. It's not that you're, oh, you're ignorant. It's just you didn't grow up in that, in well, that experience. And I Everyone always, in my age group knew that. Here's the thing, You though, knew that. You I know? knew there was, but I didn't know it was official. I just thought oh, it was like, absolutely. Was I just thought it was line. like, oh, no, the East Germans are, they're communists, but I didn't know there was actually like a physical wall. I thought the wall was just in Berlin. No, there was Berlin and Brandenburg, but there, but there was a there was a demarcating because there was line. East and West Berlin too, right? Oh, absolutely, 
Well, West Berlin, because Berlin is within East Germany. So it was just West Berlin, this pocket of capitalism surrounded by East Ber- by East Germany. So, that, so basically Berlin is so important that it's in the western part, but there were some people in Berlin who were like, we're communists, but we don't want to move to the east. So well, well, we're going to split the city. No, it's basically, it was the big powers. It was the United States and basically Russia saying, okay, we're going to split it up, but we're going to keep some of Berlin western. You know, there are business interests there. So the Soviet Union did a blockade like in the uh, mid, in the mid late 40s. And there was an airlift for one solid year. Every day, planes just brought in supplies to West Germany, and eventually, the Russians blinked and stopped. So that was a very that was a very big early portion of the Cold War starting. That was a real like shot over. When the did bow. the Munich Olympic thing? Seventy two was Munich. When they and then, murked all those people in the hotel room. Yeah, exactly. And, and then seventy six was uh, Montreal. Sixty eight was Mexico City. Um, so Mexico City was the black, the black, uh, you know, the pant, the. Uh, but from you know. sixty six or from fifty six to sixty, a Soviet style spring autumn schedule was used. It's funny how they were like, "We're communists, go to a Russian." Well, yeah, well, well basically, because Russia probably told them to. Those countries did not like being under Russia's heel, particularly Poland. This required a transition round in 1955, and although no champion was formally declared, so because they were immediate, there was going to be no off season basically, because they used to go from spring to autumn, or they used to go for, like it used to end in the spring. Yeah. But then they went to a spring autumn season, so that year they were like. We just got to go right into the next season. So there was no champion. They just bled into the next yep. season. Yep. Interesting. Uh, after German reunification, the last regular DDR Oberliga was played in the 90-91. That makes sense. Yeah. That's what it would have been. Cause the I'm following t- year, the East German league structure was merged into the West German system under the German Football Association, which we know and love today. The two top teams, uh, FC Hansa, Rockstock, and Dynamo Dresden joined the first division. Bundesliga. Dresden was e- is East Germany. Dresden's yeah. far eastern Germany. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. There was a good article in the Economist just about you know it's been the thirty year anniversary since Germany was since reunification happened, and it get a good little special on Germany and kind of where it's at. You know where it's at. East Germ- the East Germans very much have an inferiority complex to West Germans. They feel very looked down upon. Oh they yeah, feel, they feel like they're the well, rednecks of Germany. Is Leipzig in the East Germany? I think so. I so think right so. now, RB Leipzig is at the top of the Bundesliga, and that's a big deal. Not a number one. The people in Leipzig love it because that's what, just what you said. They were like, "We've been the bastards of soccer." Like well, no one takes us seriously because we're Leipzig. Well, I, I, I think I think Eastern Germany in general. It's just it's much more economically solid than it was 25, Where's 30 Dortmund? years ago. Dortmund's in the west. It's in the west, um, and it's, it's actually I don't think it's that far from the Ruhr region. I could be wrong, but um, but again, west Western Germany has very advanced companies, massive employ thousands of people, a lot of money. East Germany definitely has some companies, but not. I mean, it's like. It's the the economic power and the status is in West. Germany I wonder Germany how still. many people live in East Germany and work in West Germany. Well, I mean, they, they're least, they're one country least, now. Yeah. They're one country. But I'm now. saying yeah. like have to go to those businesses that operate oh, out of there. Oh, oh, oh that, like I wonder uh, how yeah. much of the businesses it's been a brain in Western drain. Germany just they run e- the eastern part of the country. Oh, I think so, and I think there's very much a feeling of that. And I think a lot of people from East Germany have to go over if you want economic opportunity and to make a job. You you travel 150 miles, 150 kilometers away, and you go to west Western Germany. So there's just been, I mean, like a lot of towns there have like died off, small towns, rural towns, a very ripe area for right wing populism, very ripe area. So a big rivalry is Dynamo Dresden and, and Union Berlin. 
And a lot of it was because Dynamo Dresden was this fucking Iron Curtain communist yep. team. Absolutely. And FC Union Berlin was very much a team of Western people. Western team, yep. Yeah. And like, like I was telling you in the car ride one day that when FC Union Berlin Stadium was fucking up, the fans literally came and built a new stadium. Like not even with their money. They came with their own hands yeah. and physically built a new stadium. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So Dyna- Dynamo <laughs> Dresden. It's very dramatic. We will do this together. We are the folk. We come together for our team. So the Dynamo Dresden FC Union of Berlin rivalry is no fucking shit, dude. Oh, I'm sure it's a real thing. You watch those Bundesliga games and they pan the crowd. There's some flag waving going on. And there's like, I mean, there's a real robust. A lot of fucking racism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot German. of robust like you it's a there's a, a, a rowdiness to the crowd when you watch a Bundesliga game and they pan across. They're different than the Premier League. They serve alcohol the whole game. Yeah, I'm sure people are people get liquored up. In England, you they stop selling it in the stands. You can only go to like the like half. Oh, you have to go into the. the you have to go into the concession area, and then after a certain point, they cut it off. That's why in England they get fucking snogged before the game because they know they're not going to be able to get fucking tore up. I'm thinking about going to Spain next summer, man. Oh, I want to go. I'm thinking about going, man, because I, I want to go visit my buddy in Madrid. I want to go to Barcelona. I want to go see a soccer game. I want to just Spanish women are fucking the best. They're so and they're great and they're cool and they're down to earth and they're beautiful. And they're, it's just a great. And they country. don't know me. <laughs> Anyhow, I tell you what, Keith, I we're think winding we're winding it down. We well, did it. Yeah. We hit everything I wanted to talk about. Too. Excellent, man. What what um, hour and 18 minutes? Good. I didn't go that far into work, too, which is good, because you know something? I have to work the 31st when I come back. That'll be a half day. I basically have almost two full weeks off, Ooh. which is like very good. And, and I accomplished a lot. My boss told me yesterday, he's like, he's like, Adam, you accomplished a lot. He said that he's like I was like yeah we got that C of O he's like yeah you should feel good man you accomplished a lot you know so we, we we did I did a lot of different things at the end of the year a lot of work still needs to be done but a lot of key points were hit it was sloppy and messy and difficult but it got done so that's a good thing so nice. I'm happy about that anyhow All right, well subscribe to the podcast so uh, follow us on social media I'm at Keith Paisel K E I T H P A E S E L uh, he is at Insecure Comic That's right. on Twitter. Uh, Adam Crozier on everything else. I'm at 450, I think. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.